Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of the Coach's Edge, and Matt Neal joins the show. Coach Neal was one of my college coaches. He's been a part of 600 plus wins as either an assistant coach or a head coach at Hope College. He now does a lot of personal training with athletes, high level athletes in West Michigan. And on this episode, we talk about the differences between good and great. What makes people tick? What separates people that are high level in basketball as an athlete, as a coach in any line of work? Coach Neal really takes a deep dive into this topic. We really share some of our thoughts. He talks about how we look at mistakes, that view. We talk about being decisive. We talk about having the humility and being able to, to find mentors and learn from other people along our journey. All of that and much more in this episode. Uh, this is something that I'm always really, really interested in is what makes people really good at whatever it is that they do. And we talk about that. And Coach Neal is one of those guys. He's a perfect example. So special thank you to him for joining the Coach's Edge podcast. His information is below if you want to reach out to him, especially if you're in the West Michigan area. And if you want to join one of our upcoming Coach's Edge meetings, our next two are October 10th and October 12th. On October 10th, we're having a roundtable discussion on our winter youth basketball programming. If you're a coach, you're running a program, you're a varsity coach, you want to help out your youth program, that would be a great one. We'll do some Q&A. I'll be sharing a handful of documents that I like to use and hand out to other coaches and parents uh, to kind of work on the organization piece of making sure the youth basketball program is running correctly uh, and also making sure that we're covering the right things, kids are having fun, we're staying organized. And then October 12th, Coach Anthony Troshak is going to do a presentation on shot selection. And this is a great shot selection presentation for coaches and players alike. If you really wanna teach your program how to rate shots. What's a, what's a good shot? What's an average shot? What's a bad shot? And what's a great shot for you to try to get within your team? That is a really good one. So if you want to join those Coach's Edge presentations, be sure to reach out to me and I can send you the link. We will do everything through Zoom. Let's get to the show. I'd like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to one of my former coaches, Coach Matt Neal. And uh, Coach, we're touching on a great subject today, something that I am super, super interested in. And uh, you've always been a person that has uh, motivated me and, and taught me a lot. So I'm excited to dig into this topic of the fine line between good and great. So thanks for being on the show and touching on this subject. Hey, Cram, thanks so much for inviting me to be with you. I, I've enjoyed the other times when we've connected, and I certainly know that your, your listening audience is of people who want to get better, mm -hmm. whether they be athletes or whether they be coaches. Um, I think that, that we've been given this one life to live, and we need to do our due diligence to, to live it to the best of our ability and to become the people God created us to be. So I, I get jazzed to talk about these kind of things. So I appreciate the invite. Amen. Um, we had some great episodes with you, especially digging into the subject of post-play. Um, so after you finish this episode, be sure to, to go back. And I want to say it was about last September that uh, Coach came out really digging down into some details, player development and area post-play. That was a great couple episodes as well. Um, and on this particular subject, this is something that I'm always interested in. I know you are as well, as far as, you know, mindset, 
discipline, motivation, you know, reading books, listening to the podcasts. Um, you're doing some really cool things in this area as well. So let's just lay it out there first. How, how would you go about when you think of good and great and some of those compare and contrast, what comes to your mind? Well, I think, I think one of the things that has to happen for, for people, no matter if they are, are talking about, about being, or we're talking about being a good to great athlete, good to great business person, good to great person, person period. Um, we have to kind of be, be willing to look at ourselves and, and to look inward. And sometimes that may mean having somebody else hang around you a little bit and maybe watch things you do say, act, um, to, to be able to help you do that. But in order, in order to do that, you have to get to a, a, a spot mentally where you're able to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I don't know the answers. I, I think I, I have an idea, but I don't know them all. And so I want to, in order to get better, I want to, to open myself up to a critique or to, to self-critique. And I'm a big Brene Brant. Renee Brown fan, you know that, and she is huge on being vulnerable. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I think about, and, and I think it's a great example of being going from good to great, you think about the NCAA tournament, and I know you coaches will remember this. Um, here, Tony Bennett is this great young coach at the University of Virginia, has the number one team in the country, acts the number one overall seed, and they're phenomenal, and Tony's this great young coach and all that. They go in and, and get beat by the number 16, you know, Loyola County, Baltimore, Maryland, whatever. I don't even remember their name. You know, that's the thing. You don't remember them, but you remember the game. And so he, they get eliminated first game of the NCAA tournament a few years back. And then the very next year they come back and they win it all. And the thing that, that I remember about all of that is his press conference after they had been beaten and he said, Hey, yeah, we got beat. We got beat by a good team. He said, but my guys were vulnerable enough to get into the arena. They weren't afraid to get dirty. They got up and they were bloodied and beaten and so on and so forth. And so, and it's a quote from president Roosevelt. And it's, I just admire him because he was very vulnerable at that point. He said, yeah, we did. We got beat. And now what do we have to do? We have to look and see why. What can we do to be better? Yeah, we were good, but what can we do to be great? And they did the hard work. So you have to be introspective, I think. Um, I think that's, that's one, of the, one of the things that I had. I've, I've written down a few things. One of, one of the things that, again, it's, it's vulnerability or humility. You have to be humble. You have to be able to, to not be afraid to look at yourself. Or let's, let's, say, let's use another word. We have to be brave enough to look at ourselves and to find our frailties, our, our areas where improvement is necessary. Um, you know, I think of, of my coaching days and um, one of the things that, that I enjoyed doing, I had a, a professor from Hope College named Steve Vanderveen come into my practice. And he, said, he was at practice three days in a row, just watching, not saying a thing, watching and writing, watching and writing. And I remember talking to my wife, Kim, about that. And she said, wow, it's pretty brave. And I said, well, it's not so much brave as it is necessary. I said, I don't have the answers, 
And so this is an, an unbiased human being who's a communication professor coming into my practice and watching what goes on, watching games, so forth. And I remember, Steve, that he sat behind our bench, right behind me during the game. And so we're all done after our three days and he gives me my critique and it was page upon page upon page. Things that he saw, good things, bad things, things that could improve things, so many different pieces to this. But one of the things that I found to be most meaningful is he said, your last three, four guys down on the bench, said, you never talk to them. The game's going on and you don't, you don't go down and pick their brain or you don't say anything to those guys. You know, there are probably 10 or 11 guys who are playing. The other guys normally don't play. And he said, you're not engaging with them. So I thought, oh my gosh, what a, a slap in my face. You could look at it that way, but no, it was a kind of a wake up call. Like that's why I'm doing this is to get better. And so the next game, I, I remember going down there. Now, my son Grant was one of those four guys, never, never played. And I went down to the end of the bench, and I'm sitting with those guys and said, hey, why isn't our transition break as, efi as efficient as it should be? And we're just not being very effective. Game goes on. We win the game. He called my wife up and said, hey, is dad dying or something? <laughs> and I just kind of laughed. I mean, what is that? And, and she said, no. He said, well, he, he asked us questions during the game that he never asked us. And it was at that moment, I thought, you know what, shame on me for not doing that sooner. Um, but so humility, being vulnerable, look inward. Um, I think that's a, a, a really, really important thing. If you're going to go from being good to great, identify your weaknesses. So players, it's really easy to go shoot free throws when you're good at them. <laughs> Everybody loves to shoot free throws when you're good at them. But it's really hard to go work on your left-hand drive to the basket if you're not good at it or your post move or your, your come off a ball screen and shoot it. If you're not good at it, you have to work at the things that, that, you're, that you're not good. You're not good at it this time. Um, and if you're, if you're not doing that, you're going to be just the same. You're going to be the same tomorrow as you were today. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's, that's the first thing. So fire some, fire some things, some thoughts back at me regarding vulnerability and humility. Well, first off, what I love about this and what I love about having you on the show is, you know, you, you're not just sharing key points to, for us to think about, you're giving examples, right? You're giving examples yeah. from your own coaching experience. Um, you're giving examples from the player perspective, working on their game, um, which is why I think this is really beneficial for players and coaches alike to listen to um, is, is just there's there's application, not mm -hmm. just, you know, words and phrases that we may hear a lot, but you're putting them into you're painting a picture with story, which I know I right. learn a lot better um, because of that. So what are some other examples? And, and if with this episode, if, if we could help kind of say, OK, good may do this, but great does this in the areas uh, of being vulnerable, in the areas of humility, in the areas of, you know, being introspective, looking, looking at ourselves, mm -hmm. what would some of those look like as far as the differences? Well, I think, I think one of the things that, that we all benefit from is surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people. Um, if, you, if you have someone who you can trust, 
I mean, really, really trust. And you've surrounded yourself with two or three of those kind of people. Those are the ones that you asked to, to help you on this journey. Those are the ones you ask to, um, maybe, it's, maybe it's a retired coach who you could say, hey coach, could you come to my practice and just watch, watch my program for the next few days? You know, my high school coach, Wayne Brown, who was incredibly high, successful um, high school basketball coach here in Michigan, um, is one of those guys that I would surround myself with. He would be willing to um, watch and critique my practice or team or whatever it might be. You know, for, for those of us who are, are now in the business world, I think that it's important to surround ourselves with people um, who we trust, but who are also experts at what they do and, to, and, and what you're trying to do and have them look at, at what you're doing and help you be introspective that way. I dare bet that you have listened to thousands upon thousands of podcasts and listened to hosts go through their questioning and their topics and so forth to get to where you are, where you have one of the top podcasts of all, for, for all coaches to listen to. And I, so I think surrounding yourself with good people, people you can trust is going to help you go from, oh yeah, I look at what I do myself, but now I have someone I trust look at what I do. And now I can say, wow, you know, that's not me saying these things. That's somebody else saying these. And so I better take a good hard look. Um, I will caution you. Make sure that you surround yourself with those people, though, the people that you trust, because there will be a lot of others who will offer. And and those those are the opinions you, that you have to have to disregard. You, you surround yourself with the with the right kind of people, not yes people. But people who are honest, people who you can trust, they will provide you with insight and then then you can move from there. Mm. Um, if you just want yes, yes, men then you, you're never going to improve. You're not going to get better. And uh, you're not going to get better at it. No, and you, and also not taking, not taking advice pe from people that you wouldn't seek advice from, but just because they're right. throwing it out at there and they, they think that, you know, they know better than you. Well, that if you didn't seek them out or you wouldn't actually want to take their advice, probably right. best to let that, let that lie. And right. Roll off exactly. Your back. And and I think that the, I, I I also Steve think that that's a that's a part of that's a big part of 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 daring to be brave. You know, you're being brave means that you have courage to say, I don't have all the answers, and could you please come alongside me and help out? You know, in this profession, and coaches, you all will agree with this. It's a it's a profession. It, it's a <laughs> it's a bad way to say it, but it's a beg, borrow, and steal kind of a profession. You know, we talk to coaches, we ask them, we steal plays, we, we say, oh my gosh, that was a great OB. I'm going to, you know, these bob, blobs and slobs, I'm going to make sure that I use those. And they end up being super helpful. Um, but it's a mat and then sharing, hey, listen, I know you've got a really good big, have you ever tried doing this with your offense or whatever? Um, and so, so I think that it's, again, comes back to surrounding yourself with, with good people and and being okay, here's the next part of it, when the brutal facts 
are there. You know, sometimes, you know, when, when, when Dr. Vanderveen shared those things with me regarding what, what was going on that he observed, those, those weren't easy to take. Um, but because I knew what the process was going to involve, I knew where it was going to take me. That's the, that was going to be the difference between being a good program to being a great program. I and, love that. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, when, when I, I look at um, recruiting practices, um, how, how you go about doing that. I mean, it's, it's okay to do just enough to be good. You know, I go back to our podcast when we chatted before and you brought up that whole thing that I used to, used to challenge you guys with, Hey, look, you want to be average? Anybody right. can be average. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I, and I think that that's, that's something that, 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 that's a decision. That's a conscious decision. Right. It's a choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I heard something today and I thought, I thought it was so apropos for what we're going to talk about today. Every one of us has the ability to choose. We, mm-hmm. we get to make that decision to make a choice, right? What we don't get to make a decision on is the consequences from that choice. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about that, okay, I can choose to make this decision, but that doesn't, I don't have a choice on the, on the consequence. If I make the decision, the consequence is going to be there, good or bad, right. correct? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, Okay, so if I have a choice today to go out and bust tail for two hours and do my individual workouts, work on my ball handling, get up 500 shots today, do my speed agility equipment, get in the weight room. If I, can, if I have the choice to, to spend those two hours doing that, the consequences are probably going to be pretty good. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get stronger, quicker. I'm going to shoot better. I'm going to whatever it might be. If I make the choice to not do those, well, the consequence is going to be there too, you know? And, and I think that, that so, so the, the need for being able to, to handle the brutal facts of your decision, I think are important. Um, you know, asking, like I said, asking Dr. Vanderveen to, to do that, I had to be willing to take that. Sift through the chaff, find the really good things that I could use and then make sure that I could use them and, and, or, or then, then implement them. I love it. And I think that that, yeah, I think that that's, that's what, no matter if it's, it's you being the best husband or dad you want to be, or being the best podcast host or me being the best life insurance person. It's, it comes down to being willing to say, okay, I have to get better at these things and I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm choosing to, to, to do those and get better at it. Mm-hmm. No, I love, I love the fact. And, you have 24 hours in today and that day is full of choices. And uh, just like you said, you can't necessarily determine exactly what that consequence is going to be, but you can help steer it in the direction that you want the outcome that you mm-hmm. want by the choices that you make. That's huge. Right. Um, we had spoken on the phone earlier this week, talking about this subject and saying, man, this is such an interesting topic. And I was asking you about, you know, there's a lot of directions we could go. And this morning, I, you know, I, I get up early, do my little prayer time and I just start taking notes and I got, I got a page full of notes of what comes to mind with me when I think of good and great. So I'm going to read off 
some of these notes that I wrote down this morning. And then right. if you can comment on kind of what some of your thoughts on, on some of these are. And so as I was taking some notes this morning, I was really thinking about when I think people are good at something or people are great at something. And this could, mm -hmm. this isn't player specific or coach specific. I think this applies to, to anything. Um, so people. Mm -hmm. here, yep. So here, here's a few things that came to my mind this morning, differences between good and great, higher expectations. I think that great wants continued improvement, always hungry, whereas good is more likely to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. I think that good can be successful given the right opportunity and environment. I think great can be successful regardless of the environment. I think that when things go bad and you're great at something, people look to you. Good, I don't think that that's the case, but it's, it's kind of one of those, hey, when things are going well, hey, we're all doing great, this is, this is fun. But when things go south, people start to look at that one type of person. And those are the people that are great at whatever it is that they do. Another one, good. Don't like pressure as much. More likely uh, to, to be a, distracted by some of the external. Whereas I think those that are great at anything, they're more likely to thrive on pressure. They aren't as distracted by the external because they already put such a high level of expectation on themselves that anything else that someone else can put on them doesn't matter. I got a couple more for you. Okay. These are awesome. I think good needs a lot of motivation to keep going. I think great can thrive without it because they have so much discipline. And I think motivation can get the ball rolling, but it dis it's discipline that keeps it rolling. And great to have that, and they understand that. Good can get hung up on a mistake, and they can let it drag them down. And this goes back to some of the things you were talking about, about learning and being vulnerable and looking for mentors. And I think that's what great does. I think they can see where they've made a mistake, but they learn from it and keep it moving so that they're better the next time. So it doesn't mean greats are going to make mistakes as well. We, we all are, but it's how we respond to that. That can be a separator. Um, good can perform well, but I think great, you can put in different positions and they're going to perform well. Let, let me restate that. If you have a specific position or environment or opportunity that fits someone who's good, they can thrive in that environment. But great, they're going to find a way to perform well, regardless of that position and environment that they're in. So those were some thoughts that I had rolling through my mind this morning when I think of people that are good at what they do and people that are at that next level of whatever it is that are great at it. So before we get back to the episode, I want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. And if you find this episode beneficial, 
please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That goes a really long way as we continue to build the Coach's Edge. And most of all, share this episode out with someone else who you think also may find it beneficial. That's what the Coach's Edge is all about, trying to give you an edge, an advantage. Let's get better together. Back to the show. I just want to share that and then hear some of your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, those are, those, are, those are awesome. I think that, that some of the things that you have – have listed there we're actually on on my i have i have two lists of, of different things to, to chat about and it's crazy that that they're on there um the one the big one that you you highlighted was discipline i think great people great great people who are great at whatever they do or if their desire is to be the greatest at what they do are very very disciplined they um they need to learn to roll with things as they go along, but they are so disciplined and so focused and have this attitude that um, I always say this, you become what you think about. They are so disciplined to, and, that, and that's not my thought. That's not my thought. That's an Earl Nightingale phrase, by the way, but you become what you think about. And, but, and great, great, great performers, great business people, coaches, whatever it is, they're determined to be great. And so they think that way, their mindset is that way, their wheels turn that way, that they're not going to be set back by that mistake. They're not going to be set back by a bump in the road okay, I might have to divert a little bit, but I'm going to get back around to my path as to where I was going. Um, it, it's, a, it's the discipline to have that positive mindset, knowing, knowing here's the goal, I'm going to achieve it. This is what I'm going to do today. And yes, I'm going to do it. I think the discipline is huge. I think one of the things you said, you mentioned something about, about, um, people the difference between good and great when you're great you learn from your mistakes i always tell people mistakes are phenomenal they're absolutely awesome when i when i taught middle school for 30 years i told kids okay you made a mistake that's great now we got to figure out what was your thinking that caused the error to happen okay i taught math so it was a little bit more more objective you know you get from point A to point B in, a, in an equation process. What went on in your thinking there? And you know what? It was really fun to be able to watch kids go, oh, there it is. And so they go from the difference, the difference of being good to being great was learning from their mistakes. I always, I always have used this in my own thinking that if you make a mistake and you correct it or you learn from it, that mistake was so worth it. But if you make a mistake and don't do anything differently, that's ignorance. And you just, it really is. You've made an error. What you did before didn't result in what you wanted, yet you didn't change anything. You know, I think we've all heard that phrase of, of you know, if, if you want change to occur, look at what you're doing. If you don't change what you're doing, there will be no change. Right, yeah. And it's kind of re a redundant statement, but it's very true that if we want to get from being good at something to great at something, we really do have to look at our mindset and discipline ourselves to say, okay, it's gonna take this much effort. It's gonna take me being a little bit more open to, uh, I'm gonna bring some people around me, some people I trust to, to help me walk through this together. I think one of the other things that, and I think you said this, I believe you, I'm, 
I yeah, think fire away with that. all your notes. I'm well, curious to see what you had down. Well, well, I love, I love the whole thing of thriving on pressure. Heck yes. People who are great, eat that up. People who are good kind of like, Ooh, man, I don't know if I want this. What's the difference between the guy who wants to take the last second shot in the game and the guy who said, Ooh, not me. It's right here. It's his mind. It's his mind. He, you know, I mean, we all, we all remember, we all remember watching Hoosiers and Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Chitwood. whatever it is, Jimmy Chitwood at the end of the game said, I'll make the shot. Yeah. I'll yeah. make the shot. Goosebumps. Well, heck yeah. Heck yeah. I get him right now. Heck yeah. <laughs> he's going to make the shot because, because he believed it. That kid, I mean, and, and all the building up of that, of that whole movie and, in the, the country roads of Indiana, this kid's shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting over and over and over again. And he was tough enough. He was disciplined enough. And, but again, the difference between those two people is all mindset. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. absolute mindset. Kram, I still remember, and this will, I'm not doing this to blow you up a little bit, but I still remember being up at Stevens Point and you went off for like 30 some 40 some points in an absolute an absolute display of athleticism and and execution but the bottom line with that was you were in such a zone mentally it was easy just give the ball hey here you go give it to Steve and go ball screen for him clear out let him come off something different but you were great because you were meant that you you were there you were in that spot that you thought I'm not going to I mean, nearly single-handedly brought us through that. And mm -hmm. so, uh, again, discipline, thriving on pressure. But here's another part of it I think is huge. Decisiveness. Mm. People who are great good. Yeah. Aren't, aren't afraid to make decisions. And I guess that comes down to that choice, Steve. It, it's similar to a choice. They're not afraid to make a decision. Because once you make it, you don't look back. You make it and you live with whatever happens after that. You know, people who are indecisive, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Gosh, if I do this, this could happen. But if I do this, this could also happen. Okay. People who are, are, are those who want to be great aren't afraid to make that decision, whatever it might be. So decisiveness, I, I think, is key in the difference between good and great and how quickly um, you can make that decision. Right. Because oh. I think, um, don't get me wrong. We, we all, you need to do your homework and, you know, there's important decisions we make all the time, but I think that once you've made that decision, it sets you up for so many more learning opportunities to continue to improve. Like if we were in a race and said, all right, we're, we're going to race and we're going to get to this spot one, two, three, go, and you take off on go, and I took off on one. All right. Well, well, I already, I'm already gone, right? Yeah, and if right, I made a bunch right. of mistakes because I made a little quicker decision, I'm already on the run and I'm already learning from it. Whereas you had to figure some things out, then you took off, you're behind, then you make some more mistakes, and then you're gonna guess again. And now you just you're slowly like we may want the exact same thing, but because you're not being decisive. You're just slowing down oh, yeah. the learning process for continued improvement. <laughs> very, very true. Very, very true. And I, and I, I sometimes think, Steve, um, and, and I'm one who, who believes we can, we can learn all of this stuff that we're talking about. We can learn 
you know, you don't come out of the womb being good or being great mentally. You, you can learn these things. I do think sometimes, however, personalities do come into play. Um, I remember hearing a, hearing a coach talk one time about soccer athletes, and, and both of my boys were, were great soccer players at the college level. But I remember a youth soccer coach who said it best. Your children come out of the womb either being attackers or defenders. Both are good, but both happen. And so I think about that and think, okay, we aren't born. We aren't born as being great or being, or being good or being great. Those evolve. We, over the course of our time, of our lifetime, we get, you know, we, we prepare, we have vision, um, we surround ourselves with the right kind of people that take us from that spot of being, of being good to being great. I don't think we're absolutely born that way. I do think our personality has, is a factor. I think that sometimes, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. I would encourage everybody if they can to, to go through the Enneagram test and, and, and just look at the, it's, it's very similar to a disc test personality wise, but it's kind of good to go through and kind of see where you are. Are you a perfectionist? Are you this or that? But I think sometimes that personality um, will determine to, to, the, to what level you will go in an effort to become great. I think your personality can, if you are, are more of an aggressive kind of a person, you sometimes, I think if you look at all salespeople, salespeople mostly, I mean, they're, they're competitive. They have, they have that, that it factor, let's call it, of wanting to do better tomorrow than they did today. Um, and I guess that co coincides with being great. It's, it's, the, it's the ability to compete. Um, I think that that if, if, if a person grows up um, having to compete with siblings, that can be good or bad. <laughs> but I think that, that they, learn, they learn to compete right away. If they go to school and they're, you know, I always thought, I thought it was a little unique when they have the spelling, spelling B or whatever, the, the SRA and you, that you watched your progress. Well, you know what? I remember that I thought, I'm not a very good reader, but darn it, I want to win. So I'm going to become a good reader. And so you work at it, you know, and I think, I think that that maybe, maybe it's something that is learned that competitiveness is learned um, at a young age. I don't know. Um, but you, you yourself know of so many people, so many athletes, particularly who, when you met them, they were good. And then an extreme work ethic, a focus, an ability to say, I need to get better. What, what must I improve upon? And then outlining a plan and working and working and working. I'm sure you played with guys that way, who when you first started with them, they were okay. And by the time you were done playing with them, they were phenomenal. Um, yeah, I think it's you know, so think intrinsic, right? For those, those because so, some are good and they're satisfied with good and then that same person who may be very similar from a skill standpoint at that age 
or from a body type standpoint, but internally they have that hunger, that competitiveness of continued growth. And, and those right. are the ones that are the most fun to work with because you don't have to keep pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. They're pushing themselves. So now you, you get in there. It's like, Hey, it's time to get better. And here's the things that we need to do to improve. Those are the kids that eat it up. And then the next time you see them, whether it's a week, a month, the next summer, and you're like, Oh man, they've been, they've been getting it in. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of fun to see. Well, and I, and I think for, for, for all of you who are listening, who are coaches, I think one of the greatest, the, the greatest opportunities we have as a coach is to help our players understand how hard they can work and for how long they can work that hard hmm. because they don't know. That's our responsibility as a coach is to help kids figure out, wow, I really can go from good to great if I work hard at it. And I think that's a great challenge for coaches. How can they get the light ball or the light switch to turn on? Why, Crane, why did Michael Jordan go from the, the infamous story of being cut as a 10th grader to being one of the greatest players of all time? You know, what was it about? It? What happened there? Well, I dare bet being cut probably was part of his motivation. I mean, now you can say, okay, was that, was there, that a mistake? I don't call it a mistake but it was a life experience. And he looked at it and went, okay, clearly I'm not good enough yet, but I'm going to be, and I'm going to motivate. I'm going to take that motive. I'm going to take that experience and I'm going to let it motivate me to work and work and work and become the best that I can be. And he did, he found, he, he put together a workout. He talked with people who knew better than he did ways to get himself ready. And lo and behold, you see what happened. Um, you know, the, there was a, a special on Kobe Bryant that's out on ESPN or YouTube or Netflix or whatever it is. And I, and I picked up part of it and to listen to the guy's motivation as a high school player. <laughs> I mean, he had it then mm -hmm. he knew then yeah. what it was going to take to be great. And, and again, he surrounded himself with good people. He had, he had people around him who, who weren't afraid to tell him so. He had vision. He had the ability to, to be decisive in what he was going to do as far as his training. And he had goals and he knew exactly where he was going to get if he, if he really worked at it. Yeah. And, and I think that, that all of those things put together, I think that um, I think he, the other thing that, and I don't know if you mentioned it here, um, People who want to be great, yes, have high expectations. They also have seen other people become great. Mm -hmm. They have others who are inspirations to them. And so not that they want to emulate them, but they see what they have done, what hard work has done for them, how they have become great versus good and said, I'm buying it. Mm -hmm. I, I, want, I, want, I want part of that. 100%. You know, I, right now, Steve, I, I'm in, in life insurance sales. I didn't know one thing about <laughs> selling life insurance. I didn't, I mean, honestly, I had, I had life insurance policy myself when I started, but I had no clue. Well, I have 
decided that I'm gonna I'm gonna work and learn. And I have asked question upon question upon question. I've sat with really successful life insurance people. I have put myself in front of other really successful businessmen to ask more about what did you do to, to go from good to great? And because that's what I want to do. And, and I think it's allowed me to learn so much, even at 60 years old, I've learned so much from other people as to how they operate their day to day. And, you know, one of the things that I think is, is indicative of somebody who is, who has the difference between good and great, don't be deterred by the answer or by the, by the word no. Hmm. Huge. Don't, oh my gosh. Huge. I went to a seminar, a guy named Glenn Matson out of, um, out of New Jersey did this awesome seminar. And he said, I encourage you not to make 20 calls for yeses, but you call until you get 20 no's. Wow. Yeah. I like and when, that. And, wow. Okay. So, so now I took that and went, huh, my training business, you know, I trained, I don't know, a dozen high school kids a year. And they are out at my house and I train them with flex bands and with all kinds of different things, but I encourage them. And, they, and I had two kids this year that, that are, that they got um, full rides to go to college. And I said, you need to work till you get almost to that point where you're, you're really gonna, you can't go anymore and then go one more. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, it is so fun to watch. You know, they, they worked until their body said no, but they thought, I got one more no in me. Right. I have one more, you know? And I think that that for us, if we, you know, again, if we want to be good, we'll stop. Hmm. We stop right there. But if we want to be great, we go one more. Just, you know, you'll, re- you'll remember all the thousands of push-ups and different things that we did when you played for me. Sure, sure. We, al- we always ended with what? Yeah. One to win. It's all say one, one to, win. to win, whatever rep we were doing, 10 reps, whether it was a, a squat, a lunge, a sprint, whatever it was, finish your didn't set. Matter. One more, one to win. It didn't matter. You know, I, yeah. I go back to, to even, um, and I don't think we implemented them when, when you were playing. We, I don't know if we did or not. Did we run 22s when you played for me? Probably not. Uh, yeah, we ran some, yeah, we ran 22s. Yep. Down and back, down and back in yep. 22 seconds. Oh yeah. Well, one we of the things of when I, when I, <laughs> when I, when I learned, learned about that and, and what, how, how you call it that part of it was that while your, your guards have to be able to make it in 22 seconds, your forwards have to be made, able to make it in this many and your bigs have to be able to make that. And I thought, no, they don't. They all need to make it in that time. And I think that that changed things. You know, when Marcus had to come lumbering in under 22 seconds, that was a big deal. Then you know what? I mean, the guy ends up going on and being a pro player like you. I think it, it teaches people, again, go to the wall and then go a little bit farther. So if it's, if it's business, if it's life, if it's being a parent, you know, whatever the situation might be, I think that, that we all have to we can't be afraid of the no, and we have to, and we have to understand where it's going to take us if we go a little bit further beyond. I think that is so, so huge, so beneficial for my line of work as well. Trying to meet new people, meet new coaches, and it's so easy to, you get that first no, and you're like, oh man, it's just, 
I'll go back to the people that were saying yes. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you just, you just keep it moving, keep it moving, find that next note, find that next note. Cause people are going to start saying yes. And then you're going to be able to show them your value and then boom, you're taking off mm-hmm. again. So as we finish out this, I wanted to get a little more player coach specific um, sure. as, as we really just finished up the last couple of minutes. What are some things that great players or great coaches can do? Maybe this is a skill about making that. Maybe this is a strength conditioning thing on a daily basis that maybe the good aren't doing. You know, I think one of the things, and I've implemented it a lot this this summer, even though it was so flipping hot. Um, <laughs> one of one of the things that that I've really worked with my wing players and my guards, um, who who are are the you know the guys that, that are having the ball in their hand most of the time, not not the bigs, but the the wings and the points. When when they're coming off of a coming off of a ball screen or they're making a move to go by somebody, one of the things we focused on which I think is the difference between good and great is a really duck of an inside shoulder. When you're going by somebody to really get the shoulder down and, and allows you to get by your defender that much better. And it's not a natural move, Steve, you know, if you, if coaches, if you're listening when you think about it, um, let's, let's say, as you look at the hoop, we're on the right-hand side of the basket out on the wing and a guy has the ball, his, his inside foot pivot, his right foot is his pivot. And now he's going to go to the middle. He's going to go to the middle with a hard left hand bounce to try to get for a little pull up. He really has to duck that shoulder to create space because it's his left foot. That's his lead foot. He doesn't have that right foot stepping across the body of the defender because his right foot's already his pivot foot. So when he leads into the middle, that, that shoulder has got to duck down. And, and it, essentially that takes the place of that step over with the foot. And it allows him to get that much quicker. We would, in, in workouts, we would do 30 at a time. And all it would be was catch the ball, a one step, duck the shoulder, and a bounce. That was it. Again, one step, duck the shoulder, and a bounce. Over and over and over again. So then when we put it into play, those kids, oh, my gosh, here it is. One step, duck the shoulder, and a bounce. So that's a, a, I think that's one thing that a, a player coach situation it can, people can get better at. I think if we, um, if I think about my point guards that I've, that I've trained this summer, a big thing is working on receiving hand on a crossover where it, it seems so simple. Oh, I just crossed the ball over. That's easy. No, I, I still think the ball has to be low and your receiving has, hand has to be low. So you, so coaches, you over-exaggerate that. You have a player come up and stutter at a cone. They push it over right to left, but that receiving hand has to be down. They come back and they do it again, and they do it again, and do it again. Or even in a stationary ball handling, when there's just with one ball, bounce, bounce twice, push it across, but ha- just coaches emphasize that, that receiving hand being low because it makes all the difference in the world in their quickness and being able to go by somebody. No, I just to um, emphasize what, what you said, and I'll let you keep going. That one is so, so big for a lot of the youth players that I see because they'll cross the basketball over and they'll just wait for the ball to get to their hand. And I'll say, no, your hand is going to meet the ball as soon as it right. hits the floor. And, you know, and I'll say, okay, look at me, you know, I got a six, seven wingspan. So I get a six foot seven wide crossover, you know, before I even take a step, but I may only have the ball out of my hand for a few inches. I want to get right. that basketball back into my hand off the crossover. And as soon as I get it there, 
I can, I can immediately get into, okay, that drive or that pass or mm -hmm. get into my shot preparation instead of waiting on the ball. That's so big. So oh, it's, I it's, love it's, it. Keep going. It's gigantic. And, and I think, and, and the other, other side of things, I, I think for all, all players, point guards, the bigs is their foot speed. Mm -hmm. You know what? And I don't know who invented the jump rope, but somebody <laughs> did. And Great wow, invention. it's a, it's a simple little tool, yeah. you know, get a, and, and I always, I always tell my, my athletes who are training with me, go get a nice leather jump rope. Yeah. Well, can I just use that? They'll hurt when it hits me. Yes, it will. Mm -hmm. And so, you know what that will do? That will motivate you to what? Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. To not let it hit you. Yeah. So, it's a teaching you know, tool I mean, right I, there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I mean, <laughs> I don't like getting hit in the back of the head with a rope. But I think that that's super important. Um, I, I've given you something for the wings. I've given you something for the point guards, for the bigs. One of the things that I think about is bigs have to under to go from being good to being great. The great post players understand how to use their body. They understand that it's there as as uh, as a tool. I just talked to a gentleman in town yesterday who I used to play city league ball with here in Holland. He said, you know, you always used to drill me on screens. You, you know, the guy, Tom Fabiano from the, from the peanut store. He said, you used to set illegal screens on me all the time. And I said, no, I didn't. I would screen you and then I would roll. So essentially my, my screen became two widths of me. He said, guys just don't know how to do that anymore. Well, bigs don't because this game, Steve, has changed so much as we talked back in August or September of last year when, when I was on before, you don't see many back to the basket players, you know, or guys who can be a face up four and be a postman as well, but they have to learn to use their body in order to use their body. That means they have to understand good footwork. And, and I would, I will say this and, and you can have my contact or people can contact you. If anybody ever wants to pick my brain on that stuff, things they can do for their bigs, or if they're running a clinic or camp and they'd like me to come and talk at it or something and teach them, I'll gladly do it because it's a, it's almost a lost art. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and bigs just don't, they may, and maybe, maybe it's the arc Steve that's caused it. Yeah. I don't know. I, no. You know, it's, I think it's a lot of variables, the three-point line being one of them. Um, because of that, we're seeing so many teams switching. And if more players and programs are utilizing post-play, because switching is becoming more and more common, you're going to be able to take advantage of it. But if you're not able to punish that team that is switching everything, now they're right. going to keep switch it. And it's just – your offense is going to get stuck. It's going to get clogged up. It's going to, to get messy. And so it's not just about being able to post up another big. It's about being able to take advantage of, of switches, which are exactly. so common right now. Man, that would make life a lot easier. <laughs> well, and, and, and so, and so if, if we coincide that to being the good, team, good teams versus great teams, the great teams know how to do that. Mm -hmm. How many times you or coaches listening – did you watch a game in this funky last year of people coming off of a ball screen, they switch the, and the big pops. Right. 
I mean, it does, doesn't make any sense. Okay, mm-hmm. if you get the switch, which is what you want, roll the big down. Now he's got a guard on him. Throw the ball into him. Let him do something. Let him yep. post up. Yeah, roll him down. You get know, a little high, low, dump down and seal him. You know who I think does a great job of that is the women's college game. Hmm. Yes, you I do see a lot more, don't you? I, I think the women's college game does a great job of getting the switch to occur and then being able to utilize the switch and find their, find their big post player with a small guard on or underneath. Mm. You know who I think also defends that ball screen pretty well? I would say that the Sparties do a pretty good job. Of they it do. Because, because they don't automatically switch every time. Yep, that's a great, that's a great point. So, um, coach, as we finish out, I mean, this has, been, this has been awesome. We could talk forever. It's been shoot, know almost I, an hour and it feels like 20 minutes. Where can, where can coaches and listeners um, learn more about, about you? Hey, if they would like to contact me, they're more than welcome to contact me at my email. It's, it's just mneil, N-E-I, so M-N-E-I-L-1829 at gmail.com. They can also go to my website, which is called mattnealtraining.com, and they can, they can follow the link there. And awesome. they, can, they can make contact with me there. Awesome. Okay. I'll be able to share, put your contact information in the description below. Um, Coach, for sure. can't thank you enough for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I feel like I could go to a gym right now, but <laughs> more, more than any of that. And, and I, and I'm going to, the last time I was on, you let, let me have the parting shot, right? You got it. Okay. I'm going to challenge people because I, I'm going to go hear this guy in just a second, but there's a book called the coffee bean and, and I want, I want people to be thinking about where they are in this line of three things, okay? I want you to think of a carrot. I want you to think of an egg. I want you to think of a coffee bean, those three items. And then I want you to, in your mind, I'm not going to give the answer today, but I want people in their minds to start thinking about what does boiling water do to all three of those? And then decide which one they want to be. I'll leave it no more. Now they can go buy that book. That would be great. Yeah. John Gordon, do, do a little research, do a little homework. But as you said, coach, think about it first. Don't, don't Google it. Don't just, just process yeah, a little bit of that, that first. Um, and then, you know, buy buy that book, the coffee bean. That's, that's awesome. Um, to all our listeners, thank you for listening to the coach's edge podcast. Thank you for doing the great work of being a basketball coach and trying to improve the lives of other people through the great game of basketball. If you found this beneficial, please subscribe, rate, review, share it out with somebody else that goes uh, a long way as we continue to build this podcast and help as many people as we can. So thanks again and get after today. Thank you for listening to this episode. Coach Matt Neal, huge shout out to him. He's one of those guys that has that drive to keep getting better. I love being around people like that. People that just have that internal drive to be really good, to be great at whatever it is that they do. He's one of those people. His contact information is below if you wanna reach out to him. If you enjoyed this topic, please let us know. Again, a positive rating and review, especially on Apple, goes a really long way. We would certainly appreciate that. And if you want to hit up any of our upcoming Coach's Edge meetings, you don't have to be a member of coachesedge.coach to join one of these meetings. Be sure to reach out, contact at kremerbasketball.com or at coachesedge1 on Twitter. 
Have a great day. And as always, get after it.